Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal. And I am here today with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing today? Good. I imagine the the GMs, NHL GMs, must be freaking exhausted about now. Yeah. Because they crammed in what usually happens over about, what, three weeks into one week for some reason. I don't know why they did this. What's the rush uh, to have the draft and the U.S. All within a what is it a three day four day span? Yeah, seems a little bit yeah unnecessary. I don't know what they were thinking when they set this calendar, but uh, it's been exhausting even for us just writing all the stories. Mm-hmm. It's just been go 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 go. But for and we we have like a fraction of the work that yeah, NHL yeah. people would have in this mm-hmm. moment. Well, speaking for you, on Wednesday, I know you did, uh, uh, you wrote four posts. Uh, we did one podcast, and you did one radio spot on the Bob Stoffer Oilers Now. And I just did two posts, uh, the same podcast, and one radio spot on the Low Down with Low Tide. And I was pretty tired at the end of the day. And you, I, you, as I understand, also have a day job that probably keeps you going for the other Six hours that were left in that day. Holy moly. That was uh, a busy day. I just didn't understand. Well, that was the day that the uh, the qualifying offers deadline was during the draft. Like, it was big news in the draft. Remember, it took so bloody long to do those picks that the draft was actually still going on at the 3 o'clock mountain deadline for... Uh, for um, uh, the qualifying offers. So some of those big news kind of got buried in there. And it's just a really, you know, really 72 hours between the first round of the draft Tuesday night and now. And they've done a huge chunk of several different types of business in that time. And it just seems seems unnecessarily cramped. It's not like they're going to be doing it. I get that they're, they're probably looking forward to taking some holidays. But those aren't going to start for a few days yet. It just seems seems no, kind of crammed in. I think it's going to be dragged out this free agency period for a long time. Anyway, the Oilers did some business today, Bruce. They, they sure did. They signed uh, free agent center Kyle Turris to a two-year deal. And yep. they uh, signed Tyler Ennis to a one-year deal, $1 million. Uh, Turris, two years, $1.65 million per season. For Kyle Turris, um, they, uh, Matt Benning, former Edmonton Oiler now, seems strange to say that, signed for two years in Nashville at a million dollars. Um, and the Oilers were also in on Jacob Markstrom, it sounds like. And the rumor, unconfirmed rumors, the Oilers offered seven years at five million per season for Markstrom. He is now signing Calgary six years Six million dollars with a no movement clause. We're not exactly sure how long that lasts for. So, Bruce, uh, let's just start with Markstrom because it's the in in some ways it's the elephant in the room. And earlier in the day, I said I would be, and I, I think I, if the orders had signed Markstrom, I would have been thrilled for a moment. But I am more thrilled that he is. I am more excited, more thrilled that he signed in Calgary. I'm just. 
it's the kind of contract, and maybe you know the Oilers fan have a little bit of trauma over past UFA contracts, but rightly so. When was the last time you know when? I guess a, a few of the smaller ones might have worked out, but all all the big ones in the last decade, pretty yeah. much all of them, and going back to Sheldon Surrey, have have not maybe worked out for a year or two, but they've not worked out over the term of the deal. So there's Surrey, Eric Belanger, Mark Fain, Benoit Pouliot, Andrew Ferentz, Andre Sekera, Milan Lucic, the, the capping it all off, which is the, you know, we're still living with the pain of that deal and we will for a number of years. Mm-hmm. So the idea of the Oilers signing a 30, a goalie who will be 31 when the mm-hmm. NHL season starts probably in January, he'll be 31 Markstrom and you have six years of a 31-year-old goalie at real top dollar for a goalie. Thank, good luck, Calgary. Thank, I'm glad oh. it's you, not me, not, not us. You have one year of a 31-year-old goalie, but you also have one year of a 36-year-old goalie in that deal, right? I mean, yeah. I know that's what you're saying, but I'm just stating it a different way that he's, you know, he's a very good goalie, and he's been outstanding the last two seasons in particular. And I certainly can understand why Calgary would be looking to upgrade their goaltending after the brutal display that uh, David Riddick and Cam Talbot put on in their elimination game when they gave in seven bad goals, by my count, in their uh, shocking ouster at the hands of Dallas Stars. And so I'm sure that improving the goaltending was probably front of mind for every Flames uh, in... uh, uh, the weeks and months that have followed that uh, that ouster. So they certainly got a good one, but they certainly paid for him. And Vancouver paid, but not so much for the replacement. They went and got Braden Holtby from Washington. Uh, another guy, I personally am not, I'm not sorry that he didn't come to Edmonton, even as he was rumored here. Yeah. Because he's a guy whose performance has really dropped off the last three years. Yeah. Vancouver at least was smart enough to sign him for two years, 4.3 million. So, you know, there's a kind of a finite shelf life on that. In fact, there's even a little method to Jim Benning's madness in that because the two year deal next summer, when it's or next, whenever, when the Seattle expansion draft comes in, they have to expose a goalie who's under contract, and that'll be. Um, That'll be uh, Holtby, I would imagine, and Thatcher Demko will be the guy they'll protect. That'd be my my bet. So he's kind of covered off a, a couple of other details with uh, with that signing. But I can't help but think that Vancouver suffered a downgrade in net. I think Markstrom is better than than Holtby. Uh, but the Flames, uh, uh, you know, that was a big missing piece for them. Was a really consistent uh, number one. Netminder. Yeah, they uh, listen. Would I rather have Jacob Markstrom next year than Nico Koskinen? Yes, if I'm completely honest, I would. You know, if it was two years, yes, I would say two years left on Koskinen's deal, which is about mm-hmm. right for that a goalie that age, honestly. Mm-hmm. And but no, a six-year deal, forget about it. I'm I'm just done. I'm done with it. And Ken Holland, yeah. um, you know, he said leading into free agency. If you're going to sign a UFA, you're going to either pay too much money or too much term, or you might have added or both. And and <laughs> you know, it sounds like the owners were in on this player. Five million a year cap hit over seven years. I guess they're just thinking, uh, 
you know, we got to win now with McDavid and Dreisaitl and you, and you want to have the, as good a shot at then you don't worry about years five, six, seven or whatever on that deal. So listen, if they had, if they had signed Markstrom to that deal again, I would have been, I would have been happy. I, I'm not going to lie. I think I would have been happy. I would have con- probably tried to convince myself that, that that would work out. But, and I think in the short term, it will work out for Calgary and we'll probably hear, you know, every time Markstrom comes up with a big save on the orders, it'll be the, he'll be the one that got away. But <laughs> listen the the thing is there's so many goalies and there's still so many goalies yeah. and it's not just goalies who are on the ufa market left mm-hmm. whose price are you know we've heard that thomas grice is too expensive for the orders right now for for pierre lebrun well okay thomas grice let's see where you end up and how much you get but the fact is there's also goalies for trade there's arizona's goalies ranta and um was a really good one there uh kemper kemper, kemper. There's, there's Columbus has goalies, you know, there's lots of teams that still might look. And the, the big thing is there's so many big players who haven't signed almost all of the top free agents, according to TSN have yet to sign. Yeah. So teams are going to be, teams are going to be still be desperate to move out cap space to sign some of these players that's still in the cards and players are going to come open for the Oilers, Bruce that we're going to have, uh, one of them could be a goalie. Because there's, so there's lots of ways to get a decent goalie at a fraction of the salary, half the salary, a third of the salary that you paid for Markstrom, and there is a there is a there is a probably a coin flips chance that you'll sign a goalie for half the salary, uh, 50-50 chance, half the salary of Markstrom, and he'll have as good a save percentage next year as Jacob Markstrom. Maybe not quite that good of odds. Maybe it's more like 60-40 that Markstrom will have a better save percentage. But it's probably a coin flip that someone on the Oilers will have a better save percentage. Or the two goalies on the Oilers will have a better save, save percentage than Mark from next year. One of the two. So I I like what Holland has done. I'm glad Markstrom decided Calgary over Edmonton. If if in fact that was the deal, who knows? Like we really don't know what the Oilers' yeah. offer was or all rumor. At this point. Full maximum term, which would be seven years, was I mean. Two or three insiders came out and said that was the meat of Edmonton's offer was max term, and I kept hearing five million. Well, if you have a choice between thirty-five million over seven years or thirty-six million over six years, well, uh, I know what most people would do with those two offers, and that's what uh, Jacob Markson did. I mean, he has to live in Calgary. I guess that's the price you have to pay. But <laughs> Calgary's nice. All right. Uh, we have fun poking fun at each other. So are you okay? Are you okay with it? Them, them not. What was your thought? Oh yeah, I, I'm. Well, I did. I didn't want. Frankly, I didn't want Holtby, and I, 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 I liked Markstrom, but just the price was, was, uh, was too high. I like Koskinen. You know, I think he's okay. I, you know, they need a, a tandem, and I think they got half of a tandem. And going out and spending thirty odd million on another goalie. You know, I mean, the last time Orders did that, I think it was uh, Nikolai Habibulin that they uh, locked up for four years, and uh, that didn't turn out so great. And uh, you want to talk about uh, free agent contracts? I forgot one. about that one. Nikita, so, Nikita, Nikita, Nikita. I mean, well, it's he just, was it, only two years, but still, it years, seemed so like four. Freaking awful. Yeah. I mean, the funny thing is I was reading like Colorado, like when you listen to TSN, like most of the TSN commentators are really bright, but a few of them were saying things like, well, Colorado should be in on this. And 
or at least maybe it was maybe it was an NHL commentator on Twitter. But you know, like Pavel Francouz, um, how much of the the excitement around Markstrom is just recency bias? Like he he yeah. was hot in the playoffs and looked really yep. good. And he stole yep. some games for his team. He stole a lot of games for his team. Well, Francouz didn't do that, and Koskinen didn't do that. But when you look at the numbers, there's and very Riddick little to separate. Riddick didn't do it. There's very and little Talbot, when you yeah. when you look at the Talbot. When you look, Talbot did steal some games for Calgary. When you look at the numbers over the last two years, which is I think a, a saner way to look and evaluate the goalies, you know, just their basic save percentage. And maybe you want to dig into that deeper if you're really into goalie analytics. But there's not a lot to separate Markstrom from these other goalies. Uh, and you know, Colorado has Grubauer and Fran Kuz. I, I don't see why they would be looking to pay a ton of money for Jacob Markstrom. And after Leonard signed for five years at five million, you know that to me kind of set the, the he was the best goalie on the market. Now they don't have um, Markstrom's really close to Leonard. Yeah, Markstrom's a little older. A, a little older. Now yeah. they don't have um, state tax. I don't believe in. Um, where is it? Uh, Nevada. Uh, so this uh, is this huge advantage for teams that they've. <laughs> it's got to be addressed at some point. This is this is starting to get a little uh, bit ridiculous. Maybe yeah. we should pressure our government to address it. But uh, of course, some people want more taxes in Alberta, not less. Uh, nonetheless, um, let's try to get into that. But um, it is a big issue for the NHL and for Canadian teams, especially Montreal, where they have the highest income taxes of all i mean it's a it's just you know i don't know how much more they pay than that you pay in these no no tax u.s states but it's considerable i guess that explains why they have to pay a one goal score seven years at 5.5 million as they did with josh anderson yeah that tax is just brutal and you got to make up for it what kind of a move was that like who does that like, why don't you fire him today? Like, I, I that, thought that know, was really bizarre. We're going to fire you now today because you did that, because that is so stupid. And he came out and basically said, we're paying him the way we expect him to play. So you basically, you, you set the, you know, you've kind of done it backwards in, in my view, but whatever, that's their problem. Ours is, uh, uh, we're still paying for some of those contracts in the, uh, uh, in the mid-2010s, uh, I mean, we still got uh, Pouliot, Sakara on the payroll as buyouts. We got Lucic on the payroll uh, as uh, cap retention. And we also unofficially have Lucic on the payroll in, in, in the James Neal contract that the Oilers had to take back when they moved on from Neal. And you add all that up, it's close to $10 million in, in dead cap space, and that's crippling. Yeah. So, yeah, no wonder Oilers fans are a little bit uh, jaundiced about the idea of taking on a big, another big contract like that. I, I'm glad they, glad they avoided it. So far. Glad they avoided it. So far. I, I heard they were in on Taylor Hall, Alex Petrangelo, Markstrom, uh, Tyson, and who was the other big money guy? There was a couple more. Hoffman, Toffoli. <laughs> None of those guys have signed, so who knows, Bruce? We still do not know, or just Markstrom signed. Bruce, they did sign Kyle Turris. And I'm going to, mm-hmm. TSN, I, I was watching TSN, and I took down their comments because I just thought they were, uh, they were pretty uh, pretty bang on when it mm-hmm. came to Turris. Now let me just see if I can find them. Here we go. So there was one guy, Jeff O'Neill, blasted the signing, and two guys praised it. And the two I guys who praised it were Craig Button and Ray Ferraro. 
And uh, I'll take their opinion over Jeff O'Neill. But Jeff O'Neill said this, quote, the way Kyle Turris played last year, he was eager to sign anywhere. He was terrible in Nashville last year. So for the Edmonton Oilers to take a chance, his game has to elevate so many levels for him to be an NHL player again because he was invisible last year in Nashville. Uh, Button had a slightly more nuanced analysis where he said of tourists uh, in reference to playing for coach Peter Laviolette in Nashville. He said, the coach plays a specific style of game. He wants up-tempo. He wants fast. He wants uh, you on your toes. He wants you going all the time. That's not Kyle Turris's game. That's right where the conflict was, and I think that's why Kyle Turris wasn't able to play as well in Nashville as he did in Ottawa. So what's uh, his game? What are we supposed to take away that his game is? That it's slow and reactionary? Cerebral. If you go back to <laughs> For Kyle Turris played, he was really good. And I think he, I think going to Edmonton, I think it's a terrific signing because Kyle Turris played for Dave Tippett earlier on in his career. And Dave Tippett's style as a coach is to be cerebral. Think of the game, use your speed when you need to, slow down when it's necessary. And I think it fits perfectly for Kyle Turris because of the way Dave Tippett is going to utilize him. I think this is an absolute perfect fit, said Button. Nice. So there's a, and, and, Ferraro was a little less effusive than Button, but essentially made similar kind Mm -hmm. of comments. Uh, Bruce, what do you make of those comments? Well, the the comments are all right. I mean, O'Neill has a point, and uh, as a self-confessed analytics boffin, I must uh, say that I had some misgivings. Uh, I had a hard look at uh, tourists earlier this week, and uh, he was left out of my post last night of... uh, of preferred targets for the Oilers uh, because I don't see him as a traditional 3C that the Oilers are really uh, looking for as a 3C. I mean, I guess clearly they weren't looking for the traditional 3C, of you know, the defense first hard matchups guy because uh, uh, Turris, I mean, he does have a right-handed stick, but he's not particularly good on the face-off dot. He doesn't kill penalties at all. Uh, he's, um, uh, you know, not particularly ra- uh, renowned as a as a shutdown artist or anything like that. So, for that role that I was envisioning, he's not the guy. Uh, my takeaway from this is that wasn't the role that Ken Holland was envisioning, and that instead, in over the course of the last three days, he put together an entirely new third line of three guys, all of whom have scoring talent and that's uh kyle tourists uh between tyler ennis who they also signed today and yes the who they signed on wednesday and you know that's a line that should be able to put the puck in the net and the three of them combined come in at uh, i think it's 3.825 million under four million anyway for three guys that are that are in my view you know all nhl caliber players so so to put lipstick on it, um, you know, it's just a different vision than the traditional. Well, the Oilers have two, two first lines and two fourth lines. Now they maybe they actually have put together a complementary scoring unit that will actually do some complementary scoring. Peter Nedved hmm. came to the Oilers. Uh, I think he. Let's see how old he was that year. At the end of, in the middle of the, in the spring of two thousand and four. 
you know, 16 games, 15 points. Yeah, they missed the playoffs, but it wasn't because of him. He didn't. He did great down the stretch that year. And um, so here's there's some ironies, Bruce. I think a lot of the uh, there's a lot of there's some criticisms from the a- analytics analytically inclined analytics community on this signing of tourists because they would have preferred Koivu. Yep. Here's the thing. Same group of people forever were asking for a couple things. Can we have three scoring lines on the Edmonton Oilers? And can we get more speed on the Edmonton Oilers? I'm not saying that Torres is a better player than Koivu. I can't tell you that. Right. But I do suspect, well, he, he, he scored in the last two years. Uh, he's outscored Koivu. 1.5 per 60 to 1.3 or whatever it is for Koivu. Koivu's even strength scoring is abysmal. It's, well, it's scored four goals this year. He's 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 between Riley Sheehan and Turris, kind of right in the middle. So there's Sheehan at the bottom for scoring, and then there's Koivu, and then there's Turris. Now Turris might have had more scoring opportunities, better line mates. I understand his top, his most common line mate this year was Philip Forsberg, who is a really strong scorer. So that part of that could be usage, definitely. Like I'm not I'm not saying that, but this is you're right. This is an interestingly a three scoring line approach, which I think Ken Holland might have used in Detroit. Um, at different times when he tried to put together a third line that could put some points up. So I'm not necessarily against it. I, I mean, I don't. I haven't watched any of those third line centers around the NHL to have a strong opinion myself about who's going to be better. But just do I like the idea of trying to get a third scoring line? And Koivu scared me. Koivu had been bumped down apparently to the fourth line in Minnesota by the end. And his skating is, you know, he was a hell of a hockey player, Miko mm-hmm. Koivu. But he was never fast, and I can't imagine he's very he's gotten any faster in the last year or two. So um, I'm not convinced. Like there'll be some doom saying about this this move, but I'm not convinced mm-hmm. that it's that you know or negative viewpoints would be more fair. I'm not convinced it's a bad move. Let me see if I can find some of the other uh, comments on this uh, on this well, trade. Well, we have to we have to bear in mind and and now evaluate how. Kyle Turris is a $1.65 million player and not a $6 million player. I mean, when you when you shine that $6 million spotlight on him in Nashville, he was brutal. Like he didn't come close to covering that bet. Well, Ken Holland's made a different bet. And, you know, like it or not, I mean, in the modern day, the way to evaluate players is their value versus their, their cap hit. And, you know, the same player at two different salaries has, has very different values to a team. I mean, they, they got him at, at a fairly decent price for, you know, for his experience, for, you know, for the numbers he's put up over the years. And uh, obviously, uh, uh, Dave Tippett probably put in a, a word for him. I mean, I'm actually kind of surprised just based on how um, tourists left Arizona under a bit of a cloud when he uh, when he went to Ottawa. But uh, uh, Tippett obviously would know something about the player, and, and uh, uh, they think that they can bring him back to where he was in Ottawa as opposed to what he did in Nashville, which was not fit. So uh, analytics blogger Corey, I think it's Snadger of Snyder? Shutdown. Snyder. Snyder. Is it yeah. Snyder? Snyder. It's weird spelling, but Snyder. Of Shutdown Line, who's a, mm-hmm. you know, very uh, respected analytics kind of guy online. And with reason, he's uh, he's outstanding. says when he looked at his hockey visualization page for tourists, he, 
he it's kind of hard to worse do worse than uh, Kyle Torres did last year in the NHL. Um, so so this is the general take from that community. But you know the community's been wrong before. They were they again they yeah. thought Benoit Pouliot was going to come in here and push the river. An example I've probably overused over the years of them being wrong. But um, of course they would they would say. Benoit Pouliot oh. actually was good here in Edmonton. I wrote, a, I wrote a post myself talking about Benoit Pouliot. I did not recommend five years at four million, though. But I did think he would help the team, and that, you know, and I think he was one of those guys that well, coaches didn't like him, and I think that was true wherever he went, which was what made the five-year deal so untenable. Yeah, that's and usually your also, first sign, eh? And he's also one of those guys that. Uh, he had one habit that was so annoying that people started seeing only that one thing and not seeing the good things. Ethan Morrow had the same habit, and he was a pretty good player, of taking penalties in the offensive zone, and they would drive people nuts when they got called. But they wound up seeing the one offensive penalty taken in the offensive zone and not the 10 or 15 or 20 times he'd go in aggressively in the offensive zone and shake the puck free. And sometimes the price you have to pay is that penalty. Well, if you only see the penalties, you're probably not going to like the guy. Did you say Ethan Morrow, Benoit Pouliot, or both? Both. Both. They're similar players Yeah. in that respect. They were both aggressive on the forecheck and a little careless with the stick, and they sometimes wound up in the box. And every time you did, you'd say, oh, that's a bad penalty. There was a lot of times where uh, where they caused good things to happen without aggression. And Yeah. I didn't mind Pouliot but at a lower price, right? Like he's yeah. like an Alex chase on kind of player. Like by the time he got Edmonton, like a third, fourth line guy who could help on the power play in front of the net, mm-hmm. you know, 2 million a year would have been okay on a, on a two year deal. You know, if he had gotten chase on money anyway, Turris got, as you say, Bruce, the key to this whole thing is a player who like as recently as two years ago was viewed as the number one center uh, around the league in certainly in Nashville or, you know, maybe that was a bit of a reach, but close to that is now with an orders on a two-year deal at 1.65 million per. That's a that's a small amount of money. It's a small bet to make. And it's a decent bet. I mean, it's enough that if you wanted to still sign Miko Koivu for a million dollars, you could probably do it. Probably it would mean moving out uh, Jujar Kara or Gaetan Haas, but that's still a possibility. First, they also signed Tyler Annis for a million bucks. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Uh, I think it's a popular signing of a popular player. I mean, I've, I've heard ever since the Oilers got him, uh, almost universal praise of this guy. You know, people like him. They, they, they see a versatile guy that can move up and down the lineup, as they like to say, uh, who can chip in here and there, scores a little bit. You know, a depth scorer, but a proven one. And, I mean, last year he made $800,000, and finally, after a few years of struggling with injuries, uh, he broke out and had, you know, his best season in five years with uh, 16 goals, 37 points, despite the short season. And really, he looked okay in Edmonton from his first game back. He was clearly happy to be here in his hometown. And all along, people uh, have been saying, you know, they they really should re-sign this guy. And I personally only wavered on that near the end when I, uh, when I was looking at the list. Say, well, they're already bringing back almost all the forwards from last year. Can they bring them all back? But on reflection, he wasn't 
you know, he wasn't part of the team for the entire year. He was already a new player with only nine games here. So it's not like they need to move him out for a changing of the guard. He was part of the changing of the guard. So I've uh, taken a slightly more nuanced uh, approach with that. But at $1 million, uh, based on what he did last year, that's not bad at all. Like that's, uh, uh, he'll provide value for that, I think. If he can stay healthy, Bruce, he's had some injury mm-hmm. problems, but his level of even strength scoring over the last two years, 1.85 per 60, which is, which is, you know, the same level. We're looking at Jake DeBrusque is around mm-hmm. there. Tyler Toffoli is around there. Andreas Athanasiou is around there. These are all guys that are much more highly valued than Tyler Ennis, obviously. So I really like this. Oh, I just think this is a, this is a brilliant signing. Um, bring me all kinds of third and fourth line wingers that can score at that rate as Tyler Ennis does. So uh, I really like this signing. Uh, excellent move by the Oilers. Let's just have a look at their depth chart first. I'll just go down it real quick on the right wing. Um, well, I have, so here, here are the players probably in no particular order on the right wing. Pulley, uh, Pulley, Yamamoto, Cassian, Chase on Archibald and Patrick Russell. And I think of those players, you, you might also include James Neal on the right wing. I think both Archibald and James Neal can play the left side. Can Chason also play the left side? Um, some of these he, guys can He play did the left for side. a while uh, at one point in his first year here, but uh, I think he's far more comfortable on the right. And I really think most of those guys are. On There's the no, uh, Paul Henderson's on that list. Let's put it that way. On the left side, we have uh, R&H, Ennis, Art, um, Tyler Benson, I think James Neal uh, is going to be on the left side, and and, and Joachim Nigard. So potentially Jujar Kara, right? Yeah. And so at center, I have McDavid, Drysaddle, Turris, Haas, and Kara. There's not a lot of unless you're going to make some trades there, and you could still make some trades there, I guess, to bring in a left winger, mm-hmm. um, one more left winger, a, a better left winger. Mm-hmm. Um, or or sign still a free agent who's a better left winger, you know, mm-hmm. maybe sign a fantasy. Maybe they're going to circle there's back talk. to him. There's talk that they're still talking to him. And uh, the guy I liked on left wing that I wrote about in my post was uh, Dominic Cahoon. That uh, uh, he's Dreisaitl's boyhood friend from Germany. They absolutely ripped it up in childhood hockey, just ripped it up six points a game each. <laughs> and uh, Drysaddle advocated for him when he came over in 2018, but he signed with Chicago. Then he got traded, uh, removed to Pittsburgh. I, I don't know what happened last summer, how that went about. He was traded at the deadline to Buffalo. Buffalo, for reasons totally unknown, didn't qualify the guy at 925,000. He's basically he's played. Uh, he's basically a point every two games in the NHL. Almost all of it at even strength. And almost none of it playing on the top lines, near as I can tell. And he, you know, he's a plus, but he was in all three cities. Uh, I haven't really deeply analyzed his, you know, shot stuff and that, but he's not getting killed. I mean, that's the one thing plus minus can tell you right away is if a guy is getting absolutely caved or not. And he's not. And he wouldn't be that expensive, and uh, I think that it, you know, would make Leon happy, and it would give him a, you know, another guy was scoring for not a huge amount of money. Like I think that's a, that's a, a, I'd like to see him take roll the dice with a player like that, or specifically that player. 
So, Bruce, just as we went on the air, of course, something happened. Ken Holland had his news conference. Oh, yeah. And there's a little bit of news out of that. And the, okay. the main thing is Ken Holland says he wants to sign one more defense and a yeah. goalie. Holland adds that they're done on forwards in, oh, terms, really? of sign, in terms of signing free agents. Really? Okay. So, like, no, no uh, yeah, I like the idea of well, Dominic Cahoon. It is a little bit odd that he, he that guy, he puts up two, he put up 2.2 points per 60. Yeah. That's second line scoring, almost yeah. first line scoring oh, in the NHL. Top, top is, 60 in the league. That's first that is line outstanding. Yeah, that's and so good. why wouldn't you qualify him? What, what's going on with that player? Like, the, that's a little bit, of, the, uh, I don't know, an alarm bell. Ralph Kruger seems like he can get along with pretty much anyone and get the best out of most people. Yeah. Why doesn't Ralph Kruger want him on his team? I think it's a fair question to ask. I have no, no, no idea if there's anything to it. Um, let me see if there's anything. Nope, that's the main news out. Okay. So no more free agents, which makes sense, Bruce. They've got 15 forwards signed to NHL contracts right mm-hmm. now. And that doesn't include, does it include Tyler Benson? I don't think it even includes Tyler Benson. So they've got 16 forwards who are, you know, so they'd have to make a trade. They'd have to move out. So I could see, still see them moving out, let's say, Jujar Kara or Alex Chason or even Zach Cassian. Like there's lots of teams that want bigger, stronger guys right now. The Oilers could maybe move out one of those guys um, and then bring in another forward in, right. to replace that player. Um, you know, I don't mind them giving Tyler Benson a chance of, of making this roster. And I think it's now wide open for Tyler Benson to do so. He's a, he's a really smart, talented hockey player. I think a good comparable is Sam Gagne in terms of what mm-hmm. he can bring to a team. Not a super fast skater, but a kind of the older version of Sam Gagne, because I think Benson's a good defensive hockey player. Uh, a physical, protects the puck, really good passing the puck, not a great goal scorer, but he could help. He could fit in on this team, so he looks like he'll have a chance. What do you think of Hollins? Yeah. Well, my my template for off-season uh, roster is to split the 50-man list right in half and, and sign 25 spots to the big league team. And specifically, 15 forwards, five lines of forwards, four defense pairs, and two goalies. And as of last night when I wrote my post, there were 13 forwards and two big white spaces uh, that have uh, since been filled by uh, today's two signings of Turris and Ennis. And on the back end, I did have eight defensemen, but I still left one big white space because one of those defensemen is Oscar Kleffbaum. And his status is so uh, up in the air that the Oilers need to sign, I think, one more defenseman to have a proper uh, depth. So to hear uh, Holland say he's looking for one more defenseman is exactly on point with that. And obviously, they only have one NHL goalie. The guy they picked up today, Anton Forsberg, is a a prototypical number three goalie that could be called up in an emergency. Like, he played three games for Carolina last year, and I'll bet you a hundred dollars that uh they were right after that one game room where they lost both their goalies in the same game and that and the zamboni driver had to come in and, and finish it up in toronto and beat the leafs and uh i'll bet you forsberg I, I i i can remember him getting called up at that time and he probably played the next three games until one of Morazic or reimer came back and that was all he saw and so he's that guy Right. I mean, in the past, the orders have had, you know, Richard Bachman or 
they've had uh, Jan Denis. Yeah, Jan Denis was one. And Martin Gerber, he was my favorite of that style of goalie uh, who, you know, was a, had NHL experience. He was a veteran. He had a calm head about himself. And, and he, you know, he played where he was needed to play. And if that was the NHL, great. And if it wasn't, well, he, you know, he'd do his best for the, for the farm team. And in recent years, they haven't necessarily had that guy. And they, you know, I mean, they had Shane Starrett down there and he never did get called up. And it was uh, uh, maybe just as well. I mean, they, they didn't have the injuries that they needed to, but I'm not sure they had the right guy to, to call on. And, and Forsberg at least will come up with sort of 50 NHL games under his belt. He won't be a deer in the headlights the way you might expect some uh, younger kid to be under those circumstances. I like the signing of Forsberg. He's been a very it. good goalie in the minor leagues for some amount of time. So Career 920 save percentage. I find, worked it out from his stats over parts of seven seasons in the AHL and uh, 185 games. So, you know, substantial experience down there, plus I think close to 50 in the NHL. One big chunk of one season and otherwise just little cups of coffee here and there and and going forward I think that's what he can expect but clearly he's the number three to get back to my original point number two is still out there we don't know who it is or 1A or even one I mean it depends how they decide to play their cards but they have to get a, a NHL caliber second goalie to go with Mikko Koskinen and that's uh, that was already high on the priority list and it obviously remains high Okay, who's your bet? I'll bet on. I don't. I don't think he's my first choice, but I think it's going to be Peter Morazic. They mm-hmm. seem to. They seem to like to get players that they've had before. So. Uh, yeah, I wrote my headline about the uh, different aisles the Oilers will be shopping in, and I later came to the conclusion that they have the Holland Isle and the Tippett Isle. Yeah. And the guys they bring in play for one or the other previously. Mind you, those guys have uh, had a long reach in this league for a long time. That they do. You know, they will have contact a lot of with a lot of players. players. It could yeah, be right. It could, you know, unlikely, though, mm-hmm. because he's paid so little and Arizona's going to want to keep him. But it could be could be one of the Columbus goalies. There's still room uh-huh. there, I think. So, well, I'm still, got, I'm still rolling with my crazy of trading James Neal for Marc-Andre Fleury, straight up. One oh, bad contract for another. Bring, you know, you're, you're paying. That's, uh, that's a big budget and a goalie. Uh, department, but you know what? They're going to be paying that Lucic penalty somewhere in the roster. Why not pay it somewhere where it will also fill a position of need for them? That's that's my crazy ass take. You uh, think why would uh, Vegas do that? But it's because because they got to get rid of Flurry. They, they, they offered get rid of teams the second round draft pick to take half of Flurry's co- uh, salary so that they could keep the other half. So if you know if they found a different way to do it, where they took on a, a, a a burdensome contract, but one that's not quite so bad uh, for a position player, and they were able to move on from Fleury because clearly a divorce is at hand there. They, you know, after the agent did that thing with the uh, <laughs> with the uh, photoshopped Fleury getting stabbed in the back uh, in the playoffs. I mean, uh, he is uh, he's he's got a no movement clause, but I would suggest he would want to move anywhere but Vegas at this point in time. 
But I like anyway. that idea, Bruce. I like it's, that it's idea. Just a, a it's just a wild. It's like I think it's a creative idea of a way to solve problems with the, you know the big problem. Overpaid veteran. It's going to be a problem no matter who you got. It. Right now, the Oilers used to have Lucic. Now they got Neal. Well, if they could move that contract for another overpaid veteran, but solve the goaltending problem for two years, and get out from the third year of Luke, of Neal's contract, then, you know, anyway, that's, that's uh, there's there's obviously other guys out there, and there's there's both the trade market and the uh, and the signing route and uh, more goalies than spots. So I'm fairly confident they're going to get a decent netminder. Markstrom's salary is $4 million, $4 million, then $8 million, then $8 million, then uh, $6 million with plus a $2.5 million signing bonus and then $6 million with a $2.5 million signing bonus in the last two years. Does that work mm-hmm. out? Uh, maybe, well, maybe, of this, is maybe of this, maybe of this, yeah, million. yeah, it must be part of the six million in the last two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, no movement clause with a modified no trade clause for part of it. So there you go. Uh, oh. Tyson Barry Bruce, the biggest contract of the day, eh? Six years. Nobody else, uh, no free agent signed for more than three. Matt Murray signed for four in uh, in Ottawa, yeah. 25 million for four oh, years. That's geez. I think that's one trade I'm glad Edmonton didn't make. That was crazy. If Ken Holland did something in driving up Jacob Markstrom's price for the Calgary Flames, he had a good day. I wonder if that's what he was up to. Yeah, I really <laughs> I don't know. I hope he, I hope, I don't think he was up to that. I think they bargained in good faith. But I like that that's one of the end results of, of what he did because it looks like that might have happened a little bit here. Um, all right, uh, Tyson Berry, that's the last rumor we'll talk about. Um, okay. I'm not sure that he fits, Bruce. Adam, you got Adam Larson. We've talked about this. You got Adam Larson and Ethan Bear. You got your first and second pairing NHL D-man. Complementary skills, and Adam's a sh- shutdown guy, and Bear's a good puck mover. And then you have Evan Bouchard, who's, you know, many of the same skills as Tyson Berry and same liabilities. Very similar player, and I'm not, I'm not, I just wonder if Evan Bouchard will give you 90% of what Tyson Berry would this year at, at, you know, one fifth the price. And you mm-hmm. also have to make room for Evan Bouchard at some point. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it really like makes sense. Maybe that's the defenseman Holland's talking about bringing in as another mm-hmm. defenseman on the right side or cause they have Logason on the left side as a depth defenseman after Russell um, nurse and Caleb Jones. So I don't know if Tyson Berry, I like the idea of Tyson Berry. He's a hell of a hockey player. I don't know if he makes sense for the Oilers. Yeah, well, Holland's not got a lot of cap space to make that happen. Like, what if you include my, the cleft bomb money? My, by my, yeah, well, if you if 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 they knew that cleft bomb was going to be on IR for the entire season, knowing that you could just put him on long-term injury reserve before the season even starts and not just take his salary out of it then sure you can go out and get another four million dollar defenseman or you might even be able to to bump it by a little bit because he's got a little bit of breathing room uh but not not a huge amount so uh a little bit of certainty on the cleft bomb situation would be very helpful but that does not seem to be forthcoming so to a sense he's flying blind in how he handles that situation 
Uh, I'd like to see him get another um, uh, just depth defenseman. Uh, and uh, I advocated for Slater Kukuk in in my post as a guy that I think is maybe providing uh, good value for cheap, who's you know getting better at 26 years of age and uh, uh, might be undervalued for for what they got. I sure saw him good in the Oilers series, and uh, he put, he's put up nice numbers on a pretty crappy team in Chicago the last year and a half. So, but you know some guy like that maybe a righty is. Uh, is a better fit, but um, uh, if Holland's going to go with a with a big contract, then he's either going to have to find a taker for Chris Russell, or he's going to have to have some kind of certainty on Oscar Kleffbaum's situation, because otherwise he's only got what, three three million. Uh, I guess he's got after today's two signings, he's got four million, but he's got to sign his goalie in there, you know. But he could probably count on maybe a couple million from yeah. Clef Bomb. Maybe. I don't know. Like he, he'd have a much better sense of that than we would. But um, mm-hmm. uh, it's not sounding too good with Clef Bomb, that's for sure. Mm. So, um, yeah. Well, Bruce, it looks, it's, it strangely feels like could be pretty much close to done. We're going to get a goalie and a depth defenseman or, or, a, or a better, you know, it's still. They may be thinking Bouchard's not ready and they need to get a real NHL D man who can play in the top four, either on the left side or the right side. Because if they, if they sign, let's say, a top four left side D man for a year, um, they could they can move Caleb Jones to the right side, put him with Russell on the bottom pairing mm-hmm. and have Bouchard in the minors and or in Sweden and Lagesson as your seventh D man. So that could, that could still work. Uh, you know, you could still sign a top left guy or a top right guy. Um, you know, let's say they, they use about $2 million if you think Clefbaum's going to miss half the year or whatever it is. Right. That, when they talk about another D-man, it doesn't necessarily have to be a bargain basement guy, I guess is my point. It doesn't have to be, no. Because the rumor is they're still looking at Tyson Berry. This is what um, Drager is saying and Ryan Rashog are saying, although Pierre Lebrun said otherwise. But... So there's a bit of disagreement there, but the latest news was they're still in on Tyson Berry. Who knows? Like it's all talk, right? Which is what we do as well. Yeah, it is. One thing we haven't talked about yet, uh, and I will briefly, is the two depth forwards that the Oilers signed today. And this frankly surprised me. I thought he'd leave the minor league roster as bare bones for a while, and at such time as it looked like the AHL season was maybe going to happen to go out and sign a couple guys, but he signed a, a couple of tweeners, uh, both 27 years old. That's that's Holland's sweet spot. He keeps signing 27-year-old pros, he likes to call them, and he and he almost puts it in that turn. Uh, Alan Quine, uh, who's played parts of five seasons, 106 NHL games and all, and Seth Griffiths, who's played five, parts of five or four NHL seasons and 79 games and all. So, you know, really mostly cups of coffee with, I think Quine had one big chunk with the Islanders three years ago, uh, but really tweeners and uh, n- neither's played much in the NHL in the last uh, couple of years. Uh, Quine is quite the scorer at the AHL level. He's had two years in a row at about 1.2 points per game. 
very, very good. Scor- scoring champion level at the AHL if he played the full season. 98 points in 89 games. So, yeah, well, they're your class signings. Yeah. And you know yeah. what? That worked out last year. They signed a bunch of those guys, and, and it turned out that Nigard and Haas both worked out for the Oilers and to some extent, and uh, Archibald. So um, they got Riley Sheehan. Uh, I wonder where Riley Shane's going to end up. Still haven't heard from that. Well, Bruce, let's leave it there. Um, maybe if there's a goalie signing, we'll be we'll be back for another podcast. But other than that, I think uh, could be a couple days here. So thanks for talking today. Yeah, and I'll just wish good luck to Matt Benning, signed with the uh, uh, National Predators. Two years, one million dollars. They got a real bargain there. And happy to see uh, my old friend Tyler Pitlick. Got a nice raise and a, and a two-year deal in Arizona. So it's always fun to see where the old Oilers go. Justin Schultz uh, got an $8 million, two-year four, at $4 million a year. I'm amazed he got that in um, Washington. So the old pieces are moving around. But, of course, the most interesting one is Benning because he just uh, uh, was with the Oilers until this week. So it was interesting to see how that goes and uh often to see you the rumors are that he might come here but if holland said he's done signing forwards then i guess he's done signing forwards so we'll see about there you that. go thanks anyway, again yeah thanks for listening everyone and in the meantime and in between times this has been another edition of the cult of hockey podcast <laughs>